Welcome to another edition of Father Time. I'm Jamie Kaler. I'm joined as always by my producer and uh, friend, kind of, uh, Mr. Andy Lerner. Good afternoon. Still no kids, right? I think you have to have sex for that, uh, right? Yeah, you're never having yeah. kids or sex. But my guest today, I'm really excited about. It's it's a really funny. I, I ran into your wife uh, last week, and this is how guys operate. She goes, "Oh, my husband will do your podcast," and I said, "Fantastic." And so here you are, and that's yeah. how easily it works. Uh, you probably know him most as from Talk Soup, yeah, the so. host of Wipeout, mm-hmm. uh, stand-up comedian extraordinaire. You travel, uh, and you've hosted many other shows and acted in a bunch. Uh, you are currently on the Food Network, on the Halloween Baking Championship. Sh- no, it's a ch- not just a show; yeah. it's a championship. Well, you know, everybody wants the uh, everybody wants to wear the crown. Oh, wow, I wouldn't. They. My guest today, Mr. John Henson, thank you so much for coming. Yeah, man, thank you for having me. It's really funny. We've never met until this very moment, really, and then you walked in, and now we're... Uh, we yeah, but we travel in the same circles, and uh, I feel like I know you. Yeah, I feel and, like I do, uh, too. We found out we went to the same university. Yes. Boston University. Yeah. I, I like to say to people that I went to college the same way Charlie Sheen went to rehab. We were both physically there. Mm-hmm. I don't know that we completed the course no. or that we learned a whole lot in the process. You got process. something out of it, though. You had, you met... Uh, I began, yeah, I began uh, my career in comedy in Boston. I started... Uh, in my freshman year, I started uh, an improv troupe. And uh, sophomore year, I started doing stand-up. And I, I think I had done, you know, six or seven sets when I decided... Six or seven open mic Unpaid. I'm one of 90 guys on tonight. Your name's of. in a coffee can. They, yeah. they pull it out. You're on stage on Henson. Yeah, and um, thank God this was before, like, bringer shows. I didn't have to harangue anybody. And, but, they weren't uh, around then. Mm-mm. Mm. And, uh, and I, I, you know, did that about five or ten times and was like, I'm dropping out of college. Your father must have been so oh, pleased just, with you. Uh, he... Uh, I don't know. We don't speak anymore. Um, <laughs> that was the end of it. No, he he was. Uh, it was that. Was, you know, my parents both grew up in Arkansas, and um, my father. What? Yeah. That's ins- okay. All right, because I know you're you're a Northeast guy, though. I yeah, I grew up on the Eastern Seaboard, okay, in, uh, right outside New York and Connecticut. But I, I uh, no, I uh, my my family is deeply Southern, and uh, my dad. You know, for 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 me to say that I was dropping out of college to do stand up was like, what I think what my dad heard was I'm joining the carnival and I'm gonna guess weights for a living. Like Honestly, it. I don't think there's much difference between those two. <laughs> no, I mean, and I'm a comic, and I'm pretty yeah. sure. Yeah, there might be actually more pride to the weight guesser. That it was might be a uh, more usable skill. It was yeah. It was. Uh, the the body rejected the donor organ. It was not a uh, great. What can I do to help you? It was more like, hey, I canceled your health insurance, and you'll never get another dime from me. <laughs> Best you, of luck, pal. Have fun. Yeah, yeah exactly. Did he re- did he cut all ties? Uh, he didn't cut all ties. He cut all financial ties. financial ties. Yeah, he probably was. He like, literally oh. called me the next morning at about six forty five and said, "I just canceled your health insurance. I, now that you're on your own, I'm sure you're going to want to take care of that yourself." And uh, best of luck, and and hung up. Now you know it's funny. As a kid, I would be like, "What a dick." Now, as a parent, I'm like, "Yeah, that's no, that's exactly the right reaction." You know, uh, it's funny. I mean, we we've come a, a long way. Uh, I look at my father's reaction. You know, there there are moments where I had with my dad that were really brutal, like you know, uh, like kind of. 
not the way you would want a parent. It's not. It it's not like the typical comedy movie. It's more ordinary people-ish than it is. It was. Uh, uh, Adam yeah, Sandler. it was sort of the great Santini. You know what I mean? Oh, it was, was sort it? of it. What? Not not was physical. He military? But, no, but he had that kind of. You know, like I. You know, I, I've I've told the story to people before, but you know, it's it's going to sound very traumatic, <laughs> but. Uh, like I had been out of school for a few years and I went to a Christmas dinner at mm-hmm. his house and I'm the youngest of five boys. All my older brothers were there with their spouses or significant others. And at Christmas dinner with my girlfriend there, um, my, I'll never forget this. My dad goes, uh, look around my house. And I go, what do you mean? And he goes, uh, look around my house. You see the art on the walls, you see the new car in the driveway. You'll never own anything like it as long as you live. What a dick. He goes, you'll, you'll never drive a brand new car. You'll never own your own home. Your kids will grow up in an apartment. They won't go to college. I've seen the entire world, and you're never going to leave this country. And, uh, <laughs> and, I, and I go, I go. You're literally 20 years old. 23, 23 at this that is, point, This is at a Christmas party? At a Christmas, Merry Christmas, Christmas dinner. Dinner. And, uh, and so I at go, dinner, he's saying that. Yeah, and I go, Dad, you know, I'm not like you, man. I'm, uh, you know, uh, I'm a comedian. And he goes, no, you're a fucking waiter that wants to be a comedian. And even I know there's nothing lower than that. You know, I mean, he was like, and he goes, Holy you know, you, fuck. you think you're going to be a star, you know, because you got the leads in your high school plays. There's a kid like you in every, every single fucking school in this country. I understand his point. And that's my point is that from, <laughs> you know, from a look, he didn't do it because he took joy in crushing my dreams. He did it because he was terrified for me. Yeah. He was terrified that I was dooming myself to a life of financial instability and limiting myself. And he was trying to uh, shock me out of it. You know, he wanted me to have a revelation mm-hmm. where I was like, you know what, you're right. This is stupid. I'll go back to college. Now, the reality is the exact opposite happened. I mean, at that Christmas dinner, I remember it was just like tumblers clicking in my head where I just went, oh, like this is, it's now a steel cage death match. Like it's what did me. Your, what were your brothers saying that night? Did they just melt into the walls and nobody said anything? I don't have a real clear recollection was of it anything. Like August Osage country. It was, just let me back up. Up. What do your brothers do for a living? Yeah. Um, I, they're not art. Uh, well, I have a brother that's a photographer. Um, I, you know, I have, uh, my brothers are all pretty successful guys. My oldest brother has been a photographer for 35 years. I got a brother that's a teacher, uh, and uh, a very celebrated teacher and a brother that, um, you know, lives in Australia, retired at 50. And I got another brother that uh, was um, senior VP at GE, you know, was in the top 12 executives. Here's what's funny. I'm, I'm really similar to you. My father was absolutely the same as, as your dad was to you. When I got out, I, I gave up my commission in the Navy to become an actor, and my father was distraught. I got like 10 minutes of material out of it. Right. Like... It was, I go, Dad, what do you, he's like, well, get the back bedroom open. I go, I'm not, I would never live with you. I'll survive. Right. What you just explained for your brothers, although I can see that they're all successful, I would hate it. Each one of those jobs you just told me to be in the same job for 40, 50 years, I couldn't do it. I do what you do. And even when I was bartending and, and doing what we did, like open mics, it was probably the happiest time of my life. Well, 
Yeah. I mean, you know, you can sort of in a, in a, in a sort of crucible moment like that with my dad, you can break one of two ways. You can either fold or you can harden and, and develop a, a sense of resolve. And, um, you know, fortunately, I was able to kind of metabolize that into determination. And one thing I really took from my dad was that um, this is a really shitty and competitive business. And, uh, <laughs> he's, and he's not wrong about that, right? No, that, and, he's and the right one that. thing that cannot be a variable is your effort. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you, you, you just literally have to. There's going to be guys that are more talented than you are, but they can't outwork you. And uh, and there's going to be people who are less talented than you who who shoot to superstardom, right? And it's well, a, not an even business. No, that's I I always tell people being uh, being in the entertainment industry is like going to the DMV for a living. You have to accept the fact that people are going to get in other lines after you've arrived <laughs> and get up to the counter quicker. You you know the secret is to not get out of line. You know, just don't fucking jump out of that's line. So true. Just stay in your line. Yeah. But here's the problem. Those lines eventually will get to the window, and there's no guarantees that our line will ever get to the window. Well, You're you just know, in a line. I will say this. The guys that I started out with in the late 80s and early 90s in Boston and New York, uh, every guy, you know, some rose quickly, some rose slowly. But all the guys that didn't cut and run, all the guys that literally just went, I am making this my life. Yeah. You know, eventually they found their niche and whether or not they became actors or writers or producers or just road comics, they all make every guy that I started out with that didn't quit makes a good living. Makes a living. You know, and it's because they had the ability to eat a mile of shit to get within an inch (laughs) of mediocrity. You know what I mean? And it's it's like, you know, if you do something for 20 yeah. or 30 years, you're going to develop a level of mastery. It's the 10,000 hours theory. You know, Absolutely. you do something for 10,000 hours. Which is gone, next- by the way, in this next generation. They're like, no, I'll just put YouTube clips up and... Well, that's, you know, that's the thing that, like, I get out here and I'm like, I became that guy that was like, I'm going to start at the bottom. I'm going to learn every, you know, at Talk Soup, I learned how to write, I learned how to produce, you know, and I tried to learn every rung of the ladder on the, and then all of a sudden it's like, after I throw 25 years at that, they're like, nope, it's a 17 year old kid who shoots mindless shit on his smartphone and he's He's got 2 million followers. Yeah, exactly. And he just sold a $75,000 banner on his YouTube page and he doesn't, literally, television can't buy him like he's you know he'd lose money that's these guys there are guys that are literally like sitting down with network executives and going why on earth would i go your way would i take a pay cut to (laughs) limit my audience and get notes from a 48 year old man in a shitty suit you know so uh uh you know there is no justice but then again you know there is no justice but 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 the key is I'm not jumping out of my nope. line to go chase YouTube followers shooting yeah. shit on my smartphone. I mean, it's there's that's a, a valid thing for people, but yeah. not for me. Let me ask: Is your dad still alive? Yeah. So he listen. We you haven't know, gotten there, Andy, but I, I'm pleased. But that's, we're, we're honestly, for that. I, that's I, I want to give my dad credit. I, and and to get back to my original point is that you know my dad did a very harsh thing, but he did it out of love. And But could it have been done in, like, I just don't oh, see myself. Okay. Okay. You mean like a better way? You mean like a more loving way? Question. Yeah, no, there's a million better ways to do it. But here's... Have you ever said, I, maybe I went a little far? No, well, I, I think the closest that I get to that is, uh, I always knew he was funny. You know what I mean? Like, you know, uh, you know, uh, like, 
Put it this way. I heard a guy say something once that really hit me hard. He goes, uh, nobody ever denied me anything it was in their power to give. To the extent that my parents might have let me down, they were doing the best they possibly could with the tools they had. With now, five boys especially. Look, my dad might have been a hammer. His dad was a fucking wrecking ball. Of course. You know what I mean? So my dad was a shiatsu massage compared to like you know he like there's no compare you know you, dude he's the, he was the son of a coal miner you know a, a man that dropped out of school at 11 to work full times in the mine come home with a dollar 27 a day and give his mother the dollar for room and board keep 27 cents for 12 hours of work in the mines and sleep in a fucking tent in the backyard because the house wasn't big enough for all the kids so like you know insane? you know what i mean like and then I look at the way I grew up, and it's like, hey, Dad, I need new sneakers. Okay, here's a new well, sneakers. now we're growing you know? up with our kids in the valley. Right. And they're like, my wife gives them everything they, like, every day is like yoga to Spanish class right. to the zoo. They've already been to the zoo more times than I've probably been in my life. By the way, going to the zoo as an adult is a very depressing experience. It's, 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 really it's animal jail is it really is, all it is. It is. It's <laughs> just fucking living out a lifetime sentence. They're just like, they're smoking cool cigarettes and just looking <laughs> at you like, just fucking kill me. Kill me now. It's high. You know, it just seems so sad every time I go. Yeah. You know, he's like waiting for that one little boy to fall over. Yeah. The edge. When you ever seen that like YouTube video of the yeah. gorilla that just yeah. like snaps and starts pounding on the yeah. glass, yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, and yeah, like yeah. cracking the glass. You're yeah. like, yeah, uh, you know, if I was a silverback, that's what I'd be doing. <laughs> My kids love the zoo. Oh, they God. love I can't the do zoo. it, man. I can't oh, do it. Oh, they have an annual me membership. Oh, I know. Oh, My wife, yeah. Of course. Where else would we be doing a Tuesday afternoon? Yeah. And by the way, thanks for making that entire LA zoo an uphill pushing a tackling sled with a double stroller. Like it's just a series of hills. Yeah. When you're you're just walking, you know, and you get home, and you're like, why do my why do my uh, my my quads hurt? Why are my hamstrings tight? Oh, that's right, and I was the, pushing the 90 playgrounds. Pounds. The playgrounds at the top of the hill. Yeah, that's the crazy thing. Yeah, because we was yeah, it's a pain in the ass. Yeah, and then people, you know, you get to the top of the hill and you just let go of the stroller and you're um, like, I'll meet you in the parking lot. You ever talked about your mother at all? Yeah, my mother was uh, it was, it was a bit of a fire and ice. Did they thing, stay so. together? They, no, were they, they, they were together for 28 years. Uh, my mother's passed now, but my mother was uh, uh, my mother was the exact opposite. I mean, my dad was my dad was a math equation. You know, he was yeah. just he was he was uh, he was focused on providing for his family. We used to call him the man behind the paper. You know, he was just he would only see him from the waist down. He was just you know every once in a while he'd shake that paper and go, "Come on now, settle down." And that was like all we heard him say. You know, he wasn't a let me take you to Cub Scouts. Let's go out and throw a ball in the yard. Let me take you to a basket. That was not my dad, man. It was. Did he come to your events? Like, did you play sports as a kid? I did. In fact, I had the game-winning hit in my Little League World Series, and my dad wasn't there. It was a Saturday. My dad wasn't there. He chose to go into the office that day. Tell me all about it. How'd it go? You know? Just that was just the way it was. But my mother was an artist and very, you know, lots of love, lots of affection, lots of encouragement. Right. So. I, she really fostered the creative side. And, I, you know, I'd like to think in, in a perfect world that I got the creative encouragement from my mother. And then with my dad, I got the kind of uh, idea of practical application of, of effort. You right. know, I mean, how many guys, I say this to people all the time, but it's like, I know so many guys that are absolutely brilliant, but they may not have learned to throw a harness around their talents and call it to ankle 
You know what I mean? Like they they can't they you know a lot of guys can be hilarious, but can you? do it again and again and again can you do it when all the lights and cameras are pointed at you and everybody goes go and the pressure's on can you do it uh when you don't get to choose what you're writing about when you have a hard deadline when you're getting shitty notes Mm -hmm. you know it it, there it's it's not just enough to be talented you have to be able to throw a lasso around that and make it work for you and so i think i learned that idea of like i better learn how to uh, how to um, turn the faucet on and off, you know what I mean, yeah. um, from my dad. The funniest people I've ever met in this town can't get arrested. Yeah. They're terrible in the room. Mm-hmm. But if the only reason they ever get hired is when somebody else who knows them mm-hmm. gets really powerful and then just puts them in that role. Yep. And brings them in and goes, don't worry about them. They'll be fine on shoot day. Because otherwise, they walk into a room, they put their foot in their mouth, and the people yeah. are like, this guy's crazy. I can't work with him. Uh, I got a buddy who has written for me on a bunch of different shows. One <laughs> of my best friends, Marshall Davis, have been friends with him for 30 years. And uh, I, I had a show, a pilot, I think, uh, years ago, and I he had no writing experience. But I just had been around. The, I was He's like, funny. Trust yeah. me, I've smoked pounds of pot with this guy. It's hilarious. <laughs> and uh and so I I I said to the producers, I go, you gotta you gotta meet this guy. He's fantastic. He's got zero resume right. other than like this is what I did in college. And he walked into the room in, in front of uh two executives and sits down and goes, uh so how do we make a latte happen? Who do I talk to? Is that the woman out front or <laughs> and uh and and dude, like it it just shattered that moment so perfect. How do I make a latte happen? Like it was so perfect that they just we all laughed so hard. They were like, yeah, you got to bring this guy on, yeah. you know. Um, but he if he doesn't know you when he walks into some room and says that that he doesn't know the people, they're yeah. like, yeah, thanks for coming. Well, you know, I, the realistically to the point, your point, um, he doesn't get in the room. Right, he doesn't. You don't get in the room unless somebody throws you a block down yeah. downfield. And and uh, um, you know, I, there there have been you know there are guys that I look back on. And I'm really proud to. Um, I I've always hired people based off of uh, interview and writing sample. I almost never look at their resume. And there have been a number of guys that I have given their first job in the entertainment industry too that have gone on to have emmy winning careers right. you know far more celebrated than mine i i uh i take it as a point of pride that i was able to see their talent and recognize it without going well you know you don't have any other you know, the only basic cable writing credits it's like it doesn't matter you know yeah so much of this town i think is afraid to be the first one to hire somebody yeah, people you make get the fear-based decisions. To go they, like, well, yeah. look, I, I, I can't hire you. No one's ever hired you before. It's like, well, that's not the right answer. The right answer right. is have some courage. And, right. But they're afraid for their job. That's the real Well, that's the thing. It. You know, you, you, yeah. I mean, my manager used to say, uh, talking about fear-based decisions, like he goes, uh, you know, no, nobody wants to be the executive that let Eddie Murphy go to Paramount. Do you know that story? That, like no. Eddie Murphy had done one movie, uh, I guess it was whatever it was, Beverly Hills Cop yeah, or yeah, something. Yeah. You know, he was on SNL. Yeah. And uh, he, you know, after that, he was like, I want a three-picture deal. Uh, you know, I want like $20 million a move or whatever it was, you know, millions of dollars a year uh, or per movie. And um, there was an executive at where whatever Universal, whoever had made Beverly Hills Cop, and they were like, I got to give this guy fucking <laughs> you from SNL, man. Right. You, you know, you were in a great movie. Good for you. But let's not get ahead of yourself. 
And he goes to Paramount, signs a three-picture deal, and his next three movies were like... 48 Hours. 48 yeah. Hours, Beverly Hills Cop 2, two <laughs> you know, the, whatever it was. Well, I don't know, dumps. You know, Golden Child. We, I, who knows what they were, but they were yeah. all like $100 million yeah. movies, and it's like, you know, that guy... The other guy got fired, I'm guessing. I, that's the thing. Who, know, who, who knows what that yeah. guy is? But I guarantee he's not sitting around at a party telling that story. Yeah, you know? that's crazy. So now you have kids. I do. Uh, and that was yeah, a mistake. I do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's what we're here to Basically, this thing is an elaborate ruse just to get out of the house for an hour. Just, sure. Just to get away from my children. Yeah. Is really. it just an hour? Because I told my wife I'd be back tomorrow. <laughs> That's, <Is> my, that, <laughs> That's my opening that, joke. I got a sleeping bag in the car. <laughs> the marathon broadcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, no, it's, it's a week-long retreat. Yeah. yeah. Can we can we <laughs> can a few episodes? Maybe we can start a couple new podcasts. Yeah. Today. Yeah. You need new work done well, in the garage. No, I talk about that. Is it, is it really a mistake? No. No, 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 no. This is, look, I, I tell people uh, uh, that having kids is everything you've ever heard of. It is as wonderful as you've heard, and it is as difficult as you've heard. It yeah. is the best job you'll ever hate and the worst job you'll ever love, you know? It is, uh, but but for me, um, it, it I think it brought out the best in me, you know? I, I think kids... Um, forced a level of selflessness in my life that kind of unlocked, uh, 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 you know, a, a level of growth that I wasn't able to access when yeah. I was really just concerned about my own comfort in the moment. You know? Everything was so important before I had kids. I oh, was like, everything you know, was so important, and now I'm like, I couldn't give a shit. When I, when I, 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 you know, I want to say to people, like, if you don't have kids, don't ever fucking tell me you're busy. Don't ever, ever tell me you're swamped and you got a lot to do if you don't have children. Like, I don't, how was I so overwhelmed with life before kids? I have an ex-girlfriend that used to make fun of me because she, I'd be like, oh, you got so much stuff to do today. And she's like, what do you have to do? And I'd be like, I got to go to the bank. I got to mail a letter. Uh... I it's, got a four uh, o'clock. I'm going over lunch. to that guy's place and buy some pot. Yeah. I, uh, you know, like I had, no, I had nothing. I had like 30 minutes of shit to do in a day. And I was like, ah, oh, this is a stretch assignment. You know, like you don't know what you're capable of until you're working for something or someone that is more important to you than you are to yourself. Yeah. You know, I, I'll do stuff for my kids that I would never do for myself. Like what? Well, I mean, you know, a, a buddy of mine had this observation once that I thought was brilliant, just starting with newborns. He goes, the sound of a baby crying, okay? We, we have evolved over hundreds of thousands of years. If there was a noise that the human vocal cords could make that would be more ratcheting on your nervous system, we'd make that noise. Like, it is literally... The apex predator of like just <laughs> you hear it and no matter how tired you are, you're like, gotta shut it up. Oh. Gotta shut it up. Like, you know, you just like no matter how sleepy you are when you hear a baby crying on a DNA level, something's going, get up, you know? And yeah. uh and and just the level of um well, look, I mean, you're, you've been through the military, and I know a lot of military training is sleep deprivation and learning you to break through barriers of what you consider to be fatigue or limitations or pain or exhaustion. And, and uh, being, you know, being a, a father or mother definitely pushes you through that because you go through, you go through a phase where you're just like, I, 
I don't, get, you know, people go, well, your baby wakes up every three hours, so you sleep for three hours. And it's like, no, no, no. no I get up, then I got to <clears throat> yeah. make the bottle, then I got to give the kid the bottle, then I got to put the rest away, yeah. then I got to clean everything. No, and then I'm going back to bed, and I'm going back to bed with that, like, it's going to wake up any minute. Like, you know, and you, you get like 40 minutes of sleep in between feeding. And it's not even sleep. It's like an odd nether region right. of it's, it's like your computer when your computer goes to <clears throat> sleep it's like it the screen gets dark but if you press any button i'm right there, right there. you know what i mean like yeah. it's not a deep rem sleep you're not nobody's waking up going oh man i was fucking out dude i was yeah. having a dream and you know i haven't had rem sleep in years yeah even when i go on the road now uh everyone's like oh you're gonna get some sleep on the road but the problem is I don't. Nope. And for some weird way, I feel weird in the bed without my wife and the kids around. I've, well, I and your I feel body clock. Like, yeah. that's the most agonizing yeah. thing to me when I'm like, dude, I don't have, you know, it's midnight and I don't have to be anywhere until 7.45 tomorrow night. I could sleep until 4 in the afternoon. And I can't. 6.30, I'm up. You know what I mean? Doesn't yeah. matter what time I go to bed, man. I'm up at, you know, six, seven in the morning, and uh, and and even if I lay around after that or try to sleep, <laughs> it's never restful, yeah. you know. And I'm constantly. I'm sure you do the same thing. I'm constantly like, oh man, I got six days away from the family. I'm gonna get so much done. I'm gonna do so, so much, much writing, and uh, and you know, I come home. My wife's like, "What'd you do?" I'm like, "I, wa- I watched uh, Tom Segura's got a Netflix special. I watched that eight times." And uh, and the Law and Order marathon yeah, that's constantly did, on TNT. Uh, there's a fair amount of porn, and um, I don't tell them that's that not it. Yet. I, uh, you know, I, I did nothing. I literally did nothing. I get more done at home. Like today, I, I had like an hour free, and I actually sat down and got a ton of stuff done in an hour. Whereas, yeah, when we were single, I would that one hour of work would have taken twelve hours, and I would have like done would like taken time. And, yeah, yeah. That How was, old are your kids? My my kids are four and six. I'm right behind you. I'm, I'm two and four. Oh yeah, so you got the good two-year spread. What do you got, boy and a girl? Two girls. Two girls. It's karma. That's... Are you gonna Are you gonna swing for a third? My wife uh, talks that's about that's how it. my parents ended up with five boys. Just so you know, I'm the guy's a six. Okay, Irish Catholics. Okay, that's just the nature of the beast. You know, my buddy used to say, "Never fight an Irish Catholic kid. He's not fighting you. He's fighting his dad. He's fighting his dad." That's <laughs> actually, yeah, that's pretty pretty spot on. Yeah, we're really similar because my brother's was an admiral. Like he stayed in and went big time. And yeah. When I finally got some success, my father, he was begrudgingly like, yeah, you're all right, all right, all right. Right. Yeah, but, right. but the same, so yeah. Uh, two kids, six and four. Two yeah. bo- uh, boy and a girl? Uh, oldest is a boy, and the little one is a girl. Yeah. And um, Are you going to have a third? No. Dude, no. like, fucking, we got one of each in the kitchen. Did is you already closed, get snipped, bro? No, no, bro. I haven't done that yet. I haven't done that yet because my uh, my wife is still on the pill. But uh, you know, when the, when the time comes, uh, dude, I'll 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 go to the vet. I'm not, you know, I just put a cone around my neck, you know, so I don't. I'll do it myself. So I'll I don't chew my buddy, on my stitches. My, one of my old buddies will do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah go down to Home Depot. Yeah. they got an aisle for knock that, it. You'll right? Be fine. Yeah, yeah. You'll knock that. I shit. think it's pretty intuitive. I'm sure it's there's very a YouTube easy to tutorial. Do. Yeah, there's two of them. You just gotta snip some. It's like a yeah. It's like Die Hard with the wires. Yeah. You just gotta pick. Well, right you gotta you gotta ground yourself. So you you gotta definitely ground. You gotta ground it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I have a lot of friends who've had vasectomies. I have, I have not yet. My wife is still. Uh, she hasn't. I'll say she hasn't thrown out the baby stuff. It's still in the garage. Really? And that's a bad. That's, sign. A that's a dangerous place to be. She wants. I don't know if she wants a boy, but she. You know, the odds are if you have two of one kind that you're going to have the same. We would have a third girl. Right. So I don't know, man. Hey, well, in the in the Irish Catholic world, two kids is like having no kids, yes. right? You it, don't even get credit until no, you get to a third or a fourth. If I was ridiculously filthy rich, 
If I was, I would say, if I was on like Big Bang Theory and making right. a million a week, and I knew right. I was. By the way, do you, do either of you know anyone that watches Big Bang Theory? Uh, not personally. No. Yeah. No. no. But Nobody. there are a lot of people. Number watch one it. show in America for ten years. Never met yeah. a person that watches it. Uh, it's in the middle of the country. Yeah, no, no. Chuck Lorre is Los Angeles. Chuck Lorre is a genius at this whole like forget the coast. Right, we're going right it's for smart. the gut. Yeah. And, and I don't, I don't say that to take anything away from the show. It's a huge success, no. and I'm sure it's great. I just don't know anybody that mm. watches. It's not for us. Right, right. Yeah, I'm not a nerd either. Right, which apparently I'm. I'm the only one. Everyone else in the country is a nerd. Right. When well, I was a kid, there was yeah. only a handful of nerds in every school, and now it's 99 percent nerd. And then one weird guy, I guess. Right. He's not a nerd, but yeah. Right. I you're wish... a nerd if you're if you're the outsider. I was a guy who didn't like Star Wars that much. I was like, I get it. It's okay. Also redefined nerd. You can like you if can you're be just interested in yeah, something. Yeah. You're a nerd. With Tom Everett Scott on, he's like, I'm a nerd, and I go, why? He was like a base. He likes he likes baseball a lot. He goes, I'm a baseball nerd. I go, you can't just put the word nerd at the end of right. whatever. You, I'm yeah. a car nerd. Right. It's I'm not. A that's a coffee yeah. nerd. Yeah. Yeah. You can't just be a nerd. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the whole thing's been yeah. absorbed. I'm a pussy magnet nerd. I'm a pussy. I just, just, I just hammering ass all day long. Ass. Just a total I'm nerd a real for it. Nerd. I got comic books about yeah. it and everything. <laughs> no, no, I agree with you. And Tom Everett's, you know, I mean, that's, you know. He's a nerd. He, he, is, he, he, he is, is not, not within an arm's reach of being a nerd. He's a, yeah. he is a little nerdy, but he's a, he's a good looking guy. Yeah, anyway. Uh, so six and four. Six and four, man. It's uh, You waited a little bit, too, to have kids. Oh, dude, I, I, you know, I just had to get some points on the board before the buzzer sounded. I got into the game late. I was uh, dude, in my... I'm, I'm in the game later than you, my friend. Really? Yeah. I'm, you sure? I, yeah. Well, unless you went to college late. Uh well, actually, I know five year plan. In I'm high three school, years I'll older than you. That. Really? Yeah, and I have a two year old and a four year old. Yeah, no it's kidding. pretty well documented. It's, uh, wow. Uh, I love when IMDb put my age on it, and I, I called them, and they, I was like, "Hey, can you take that out?" They're like, "No, thanks, yeah, though." You get the second Cox. digit wrong. Yeah, they I was did. Born not. in the 1800s. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, no, so no I. Uh, dad, you're kind of. Yeah, you know, no, I'm a, I'm a late dad. Late I got dad. into the game I like uh, it that in my mid forties. Well, the you know the bottom line is you know you can make the case that it's a young man's game and you wish you had the energy when you were younger, but I, you know I couldn't have found my asshole with a funnel when I was in my thirties. Yeah, I was, and, I was uh, drunk most of my thirties. Yeah, and uh, I I couldn't take care of myself, let alone a human being. Right. But I wish I had been more comfortable in my own skin because then I would. Because now I feel. Now that I have kids, there's a weird comfortability about everything that's come over me. Right. That I didn't have before them. Are you in that place where you, like, realize when you go to events with your kids, like, I am 147 years older than every other parent here. Like, I feel like I'm always the oldest guy in the room. Well, I, well you're not if you're, ever, if you're near me. <laughs> I was going to say, not. apparently you haven't hung <laughs> out with him. But I'm saying, like, when you're with other parents yeah. of two-year-olds, you're like, I got 10 years on all you Well, people, it'll come up you know? because it'll be like, they'll say something. I'll be like, oh, Springsteen, yeah, I saw him 86. And then there's a huge pause, and I can just see everyone doing the math in their right. head. But my wife is... We're, there's a big age difference. Oh, you did well. Uh, well, it's I always say you're like no, she's sixty three. It's cool she's... when you're dating them, but all of a sudden you get married. And now I got to listen to a chick who's way younger than me boss me around. So it kind of gets yeah. old. At this uh, point. Who was it? Uh, uh, God, Mitch Fatel used to have a joke in his act about uh, was it Mitch? He used to say uh, I'm dating a girl who's eighteen now. It's like I don't even know how to talk to her. It's like so. Who do you have for math? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like yeah, what? Yeah, what yeah, do you yeah. talk about? You know. <laughs> 
My wife is 16 years younger than me. So wow. I, but I always say, I go, we have a lot in common because the year she was born, I lost my virginity. Yeah. And that's, yeah. and then people groan. Yeah. And yeah, that's what you can, creepy. in the bedroom, you can be like, I have literally been practicing this your entire <laughs> life. Trust me. <laughs> this is how it goes. It didn't help. She's now, I'm, and now I have two little girls. And so I have three women in the house basically bossing me around. Yeah. And I'm an old man. It's a really odd, the whole thing's very odd. Yeah. 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 Now I have so much more compassion for my dad now. Like, me now too. I'm like, now I understand why my dad was furious on Sundays because he was paying bills. You know, it's like you go into his office did, and pay you, bills and we, come out and be like, about... "God damn it! What are you leaving the lights on for?" Like, you know, that's course, how I am. You know, get the thermostat on. What did he do for a living? Uh, my dad was a uh, computer executive, so he worked at IBM, and then okay. he he was president of a couple of different. Uh, and that was kind of the beginnings of. He was he he was a, he was you know my dad did extremely well for himself. He was he spent twenty seven years at IBM and then he left and he was president of two different Fortune five hundred computer companies. He did he did and he you know it's a guy that uh, went to college in Arkansas, University of Arkansas, and got out and into the workforce. And he was competing with guys that. But that's not went a real to, college, right? Arkansas. No, that's well, not an accredited school. No, I mean, it's a football school. It's just football. Yeah, yeah, there, yeah. It was a football field with a little schoolhouse. Um, <laughs> I feel like that. But he, you know, he was, as he said, you know, I was competing with guys from schools that I had only read about. You know, yeah. schools like Brown and Yale and yeah. Harvard, and you know, and and uh, and you know, he through sheer will and determination, he did very well for himself, and uh, I'm super proud of him. And he's really, really fair, philanthropic. I mean, my dad's come full swing. He's he's. I had a conversation with my dad a few years ago where uh, I was talking about, uh, you know, what I was going to, what I was going to, my, my financial plans moving forward. And I was like, well, I don't want to make investments with this money because I don't know when I'm going to need it. And he goes, uh, I think you're being too hard on yourself. And I went, what did you just say? And he's like, yeah, you've always done well. I mean, you've been working for a long time. You make things happen. I, you know, I, cut yourself some slack, you know? And, and I literally, I think I, uh, I said, who are you and what have you done with my father? <laughs> like it was, you know, so he's That's kind of cool. Yeah. And you know, look, uh, there's but you some, are, you are immensely successful. I I've been you've, very fortunate. You've worked for years and years and years. I've been, steadily. I've been very, yeah. I've been very lucky. You know, the first time I ever got recognized, uh, I was with my dad. I mean, it was one of those, you know, picture perfect moments. You couldn't say and, that. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, was it from talk soup? No, it was just from stand up. It was pre television. But, um, and then, you know, about uh, every, so the five boys in my family take my dad away for a, a three day stag weekend every year. And, uh, and uh, a few years ago, we were out in LA, and uh, my father had not seen me do stand up in almost 30 years. Right. And, um, and I, uh, I, you know, my brothers were like, you got to do a set. So I did a set at the Laugh Factory, and it was a packed house. And, uh, you know, it, it was perfect, man. Yeah. It was perfect. And I, I felt like I could see the light go on where he was like, oh, I, I you know, I get this. Like, yeah. I, I, not that I get it, but like... I see that you are good at something and I don't know how to do that. And I have respect for people that don't know how to, you know, that, that can do things that I can't like, I, you know, he, and, uh, and, and that was, that was pretty great. That's pretty cool. That's that amazing. Pretty yeah. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, that's that pretty was, cool. And, and, you know, a lot of people don't get that. So I was very grateful for that. My, my, and, you know, 
I don't mean to make my dad sound like such a, uh, a caricature. He he <clears throat> has been or uh, a miserable generous prick. With, you know, he has been <laughs> generous with me over the years, and he is uh, he's a good dad. But he was you know he was tough on me when I started out in this career, and uh, like I said, I would never treat my son that way. But in 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 retrospect, I I look at that as a critical part of why I ended up succeeding. Fear it, of failure. It was that generation because we've had we've done a bunch of these, and everyone of our age group has talked about their father and said the exact same thing of like, this is how my father, but it was the way they thought they thought they had to just make sure you were okay. And the easiest way was to get a job, stay in that job for your whole life. Right. Those days are over. Well, that's the thing. I mean, the truth is even if I had stayed at that, that's all gone. It's all gone. Like, and, and my dad recognizes yeah. that, that, that like the days of you get a job and if you don't screw up and you show up every day, 25 years You'll later, get you get a gold watch. Yeah. And, you know, the whole idea of the single income family with uh, two cars and a house and two week vacation every year, that is a myth. Man. Please tell that my wife that. Exist. I try to explain that to my wife, but she yeah. isn't. Yeah. It's especially where we live. Right. I mean, it's double income. And your kids are, you got to go to some private school or something, or it's crazy. The whole thing's insane to me. I, well, I'm always blown away when somebody lives in a really good public school district and then, and then sends, sends their kid, kid to private school. I'm like, what is wrong, wrong with you? you? You know? They just have money to burn. And I think a lot of times uh, in this generation, people are making a ton of money and they feel guilty. So that's one way they can go, well, you know, I paid, I paid that for that school for you. That's what I did for you as a parent. You know, I never sat down and read a book with you at night. But right. I, but I got you that private school that's going right. to guarantee your entrance into Harvard. It's not right. It's all the parenting. That's one thing I'm very grateful <clears throat> for that my career has um, allowed me to predominantly be an active daily part of my kids' lives. Yeah, me too. I mean, I'm I'm up with them in the morning. I walk my son to school every day. You know, I uh, my family never ate dinner together. I mean, by the time, you know, I'm seven years younger than the rest of my brother, you know. So, I'm nine years younger than the right. one and so before me. I was the, almost an only child. Yeah, they're, yeah. But, you know, we, we grow up and it's, they're just other people staying at this That's youth what hostel. <laughs> you know what, what I mean? Exactly it's like, so like. they're all leading their own lives. And, and so we never sat around the dinner table unless it was a holiday. And, uh, dude, I, I am there every single day. When I go home, I, you know, I've, Took out some sea bass. I'm defrosting that. I'm going to make some dinner for the family. Do you I'm guys a... sit around the table and eat dinner? We sit around every single night. Every Do you single really? Night. Yeah, the four of us. We have dinner oh. together, and then you know, unless my wife and I get a babysitter and we're going out for the night. But right. then, um, and then you know, then it's upstairs for bath and. and Do you brush limit teeth TV and, books. and iPads and iPhones or? Yeah, I mean, I'm you know, there's a laziness of like when your kids wake up at six thirty and they don't have to go to school until nine. You're like, okay, you're watching Sophia frozen the first. For yeah, Sophia the first. So, but but like you know, uh, usually on the weekends, like we get up, we do breakfast together. <clears throat> the kids will have some activity, and then there's a period of time when we'll be like, okay. You know, you guys can watch a little bit of TV, and then the TV goes off, and we're going outside again. Um, I don't give my kids a whole lot of access to iPads and video games and stuff like that. In fact, the the limited amount of time that my son has had with an iPad, he's just like a fucking straight up junkie. Like, just I gotta have more of it. I gotta have well, more. I need it like, to be happy. You I'm know. Worried. 
and I'm giving uh, it to them too much because at some point they just keep coming up. I want, can I have your iPhone? Yeah, and you're like, just shut up, take the phone. But it's terrible. No, and I, I've, I mean, I've literally said to my son, like, dude, the more you beg for it, the less I'm going to give you. Like, if you are this dependent on it, you're getting too much of it. Right. You know, you just can't <clears> be and. You know, I, I my brother's like I said, my brother's in education, and he was saying that there are studies that show there is a direct correlation. Um, the, the the people who are most successful in life are uh, autodidactic; they teach themselves, and 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 a, and a huge part of analytical thinking, critical thinking, um, comes from reading, and um, you know. The, there's a direct relationship, an inverse proportion to the amount of time you spend in front of screens and the amount of time that you're going to read. Mm. And I, I, I would rather have my kids look at those moments with a screen as a treat than um, than a you know a, a regular daily part of life because I, I I you know I want I'm encouraging my kids to read and stuff like that. Or damn, draw. you're a really good dad. Well, you know, look, come on, I, man. You know, in fairness, I beat the living shit out. Yeah, I mean, but, but they um, have it coming. But you know, <laughs> do you watch? A my lot daughter of TV? can take a punch. I'll tell yeah, you that she knows how to roll yeah, with it. Most, you know most I mean? girls you can't can. lean into it. That's terrible. Um, <laughs> something you can't teach too. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. With that. Um, do you watch? She's a got lot a TV. thick neck. That's what it is. Like Mike Tyson, <laughs> Just, yeah, like a nineteen-inch strong yeah. chin. Um, people hate me now. No, yeah, there are people, yeah. We'll cut that out. Okay, good. Or, good. or we'll, we'll just play that. We'll just make it louder. Right. Uh, so yeah, no. Uh, I look. I tr- I try to. Uh, I try to, you know, I tuck my kids in every night. and But there's very little respect in my house for Daddy had a late set. You know, if I go and do a set at the Laugh Factory and I come home and then I wind down and I go to bed at 2 o'clock in the morning, my kids are still getting up at 6.45. I can't do it. Last week I had three sets, which was rare because I, when the babies were born, I kind of stopped getting up because it was too painful. And then I just recently, because they're four and two, started getting back up again. And last week I was up three nights. And by the time the weekend came, I was destroyed. Yeah. Absolutely destroyed. Right. And my wife doesn't understand. She's like, you're fine. What are you doing? You're just talking on stage. She doesn't get it. Right. Because she's not in the biz. And it's so, so draining. It's so draining. It's, so it's amazing huh? how draining being... Uh, like, if you're doing a full set, if you're doing an hour... Like an hour. Oh, dude, that is yeah. like giving plasma. You on know, a, you do that three times in a night, you got three shows on, on a, a Saturday. Saturday. And, uh, and people are like, hey, let's grab a beer after yeah. Yeah, they don't understand. Yeah, no. Uh no, I, I get it, man. And I and you know, um you're at the stage at two and four where it's like, you know, kids are starting to give up their naps and I'm like, you can't give up your nap because I'm not giving up my nap. You know? Right. But the good thing about giving up the nap is they go to bed earlier. Because all of a sudden at the end of the nap period, they she'd stay like a long nap and all of a sudden she doesn't go down until like ten thirty, eleven at night. What? She won't fall asleep. Really? So now we're done with naps. But now they're like seven, eight o'clock. They'll be done. Yeah. No, we get my kids. I try to get the. I try to get that. You know that process. If I, dude, I'm <laughs> such an old man now. Like if I can get my kids down, be washed up, and in bed before eight p.m., I feel like I hit the lottery. Like I'm like the same thing. Do you? Yeah, you don't go to sleep at eight. No, You're but like TV. I get, I get in bed. <clears throat> I'm. You know, I'm relaxed. That's My wife I mean. and I will watch some CNN. We'll watch an episode of something. Wait, what? It, You're watching CNN at 8 p.m.? Yeah, sometimes, yeah. What? Yeah. Cable News Network? Yeah. You're not watching, like, Narcos or... Uh, well, you uh, know, you got to, like, you filter what you would watch through what you... Are you a big news guy? 
lately, I am since the, since since. Well, I watch it every. I watch the nightly news usually six thirty. I record it and then I fly through it. Right since the beginning of the end. Yeah. Since yeah, since the end of since days that we've ending. entered yeah, into. It's coming. It's coming soon. Um, but. Uh, yeah, no, I, I uh, you know, uh, there's nothing, nothing more relaxing than righteous indignation for an hour after you've wound down, uh, and then, and then, uh, and then, you know, and then, like, if I can watch two hours worth of television yeah. and still get like seven, eight hours sleep, dude, I feel like a million bucks. Oh, I'll go to sleep at eight fifteen if my body will go down. Yeah, I don't like some people are like I gotta stay up. So, no, eight fifteen, I'm out. Yeah, if I can, I I have done like the in town when I get like a set on a weekend over eleven forty five or midnight set. I have literally gone to bed at nine o'clock, set an alarm for eleven p.m., gotten up, showered, and gone into work. Have I you did, done that? I did that. Yeah, but what and I by the way, do, I won't. Doesn't take, work. No. It's like trying to do comedy at seven thirty in the morning. My brain doesn't function. Sets. I don't take those sets. I don't turn anything down. I can't. I don't even. Well, you on the laugh factory of those. I, I don't put in for the midnight show. Yeah, you can put that in for the right. two early shows. Yeah. I just don't put it in for the late show because I'm like, not a chance. Yeah, because also here's the other thing: my whole act's now about kids, and so I don't. That whole audience yeah. is they're like they're like drunken party kids. Yeah. And I'm like you. No one in this audience has a child. Do they? I, I, and they're they, like, we they, hate you. They give me that yeah. set too, and I'm like, you know, you're following some high energy guy like Johnny Sanchez or somebody who's just wrecking a crowd, yeah. and then I come up and I'm making witty observations hey, about. I got some kids, you yeah, know, and people are just looking at you like, all right. I did that a couple man. times, and I was like, yeah. you know what? I don't need that one anymore, buddy. Yeah. I honestly like my favorite shows are like the 6 p.m. shows. Some weird random. Yeah. Blue hairs. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God, I love those people. Yeah. Yeah, I'm one. I want. That's why. I, if they had like a noon show, I would do that. But you're you. I, do you have a clean act? Yeah, I can be clean. Yeah, um, I can be both. I. Uh, Are you I dirty? Can, I can be. I can be clean for about 15, 20 minutes. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 I can. And, and and when I say clean, I mean. Technically, are you a dirty clear. comic? I'm not. A, I'm are you just a Bob Saggety kind of guy. Not a Bob Saggety kind of guy. But look, dude, I wrote soul crushing puns on Wipeout for seven <laughs> That's seasons. True. That's true. I did not go back to stand up to not swear. I didn't you know, know what I mean? Writing on that show. Oh, I yeah, didn't know you yeah. wrote all that stuff. I mean, not all. You know, that was a, because they're team, but yeah. you know, volume of material. But uh, but no, it was. Uh, you must have run out of puns by season two. That's really dude. It, it is. There is an inexhaustible supply and of puns. And he gets in. punched in the face with a giant boxing glove. I mean, it, you know, it's like a talk soup. Four and a half years, 1,140 episodes. How many transvestite midget jokes can one write? You know, and the answer is, eh, there's always another one. It's always, guess, you know always, what I mean? Like, it, as long as there's a paycheck coming the, in. I, the best thing that happened to me in my career was talk soup because it was a daily show and it was like... You know, you get in the morning, you read the script, and be like, well, if you don't like that joke, I'd suggest you get writing, because in 45 minutes, we're taping it, you know what I mean? And it was, you never had, there was always another show coming, you know, it was disposable. Like, you didn't have the time to mourn or look backwards, you just kept moving forward, and... and, uh, That feels like you're talking about parenthood. A little bit, <laughs> really, yeah, yeah, really yeah. similar. Made some like, mistakes, I'm just look. letting it go. No, but it was, you know, it, it, yeah. it forced... 
you know, joke writing is just like a muscle. And and it I will say that t- writing for TV, although it's an entirely different form of writing than stand-up, made me a much better comedy writer because it taught me how to write. Like, I, you know, you really learn the form and function and structure of jokes and you get an idea of what your voice is. And uh, writing was much easier for me in my second incarnation as a comic than it was pre-TV. Well, I would imagine, because the thing is, when we used to just do clubs and jump up and around, you could, you know, people go, oh, you have a 10-minute set. I was like, I, you could sleep through a 10-minute set. I could just wander through and do right. a handful of crushing jokes. But all of a sudden, in TV, they're like, hey, you got two minutes and 40 seconds. Right. You better fill it yeah. with as many laugh lines yeah. as you can. Yeah, it's a, it's a totally, it's like trying to put a Tonight Show set together every right. day. Dude, it's, you know, people, because on Wipeout, because it was a reality show, there were no writers. Yeah. There were comedy producers. Sure, sure, sure. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, people be union, like, uh, union, oh, union. my God, do they have writers for that show? And I'm like, no, you know. I'm just no, improvising it. John Anderson and I just seamlessly <laughs> improvise nonstop punchlines for 60 minutes every fucking week without a moment of downtime. I mean, if you think about it, that show moved so fast that there was no time for a setup because the moment you did a setup the moment was over right you're now you're watching something else like you had to be delivering those it had to literally just be punchlines there was no setup and it was a very old school i mean look i know a lot of very brilliant writers that had come through wipeout that just couldn't do it because it's it is like you had to be hugely prolific and there couldn't be any fat on the joke. It just had to... It and it w- can't be dirty. No. And so it was literally like... Really the hardest thing ever. You know, it's like people say about alternative comedy, you want to like open up their notebook and go, circle the punchline. Where's the Where's the punchline? Where's the funny part? It's like talk soup and wipe out. We're like, there were jokes, right. you know? Jokes like old school. I remember seeing a, a Phyllis Diller documentary that my buddy did once, and she was going through her material, and she pulled out a joke and goes... Uh, one night, a, uh, one night, a peeping Tom looked in my window and threw up on the sill. Like, it's just like, That's the joke, blam! Yeah. It's like hit, you know, it's like it's right there. There's no, there's no setup there. You're not painting a picture. So it's that a was, sentence. Yeah, exactly. It's a, you know? It's a pure setup punchline. Yeah. There's a, Bill Burr's got a, a line in one of his stand-up specials where he's talking about a, a, somebody wrote on a, on a sign out front of a restaurant in, in uh Texas, we like our beer like we like our violence domestic. And he's like, that's a perfect (laughs) joke. You literally can't remove a single word of that joke and have it still, like, it's perfect. And it's, so... Well, some guys, Dangerfield, this bunch of... Gaffigan, we just saw, uh, I did a show with him years ago, we even saw him, and he's the same. There's no fat. Right. It's just laugh line, laugh line, laugh line, one more setup. Right. Laugh line, laugh right. line. Yeah, it's yeah. yeah. Um, killer. It's just a machine gun of jokes. But when you're when you're doing stand up, you can just sort of I meander do. around. I'm a storyteller. And, but right. are you uh, is your stand up act similar to that? Are you a no, set up punchline, I, set up punchline? I, I I mean I, I would love to say I I uh, I was I'd probably be more successful. But I will say that years and years and years of writing that way on a deadline forced me to develop a level of proficiency and prolificness right. writing that has served me in, in the world of writing stand-up. Like, yeah. before television, I could never just sit down as a comic and go, I'm going to write. 
I just said something in conversation. Somebody laughed, yeah, and I went, maybe I can use that. I pulled over a car. I pulled you over my car, I mean? and I thought yeah. something I wrote down. And then I'd it. talk it out on yeah. stage. Yeah. Like, yeah. you I know, do. now I can literally sit down and come up, just go, I want to write about this topic. And I can just, within a minute, I'll just start writing jokes. Now, a lot of it's going to be crap. Sure. But, I, but just the act of... You know, there's a comic named Jeff Stilson created the uh, the Osborne. Sure, uh, and I, you know, years ago he was he was ahead of me in the business. I was opening for him. We were on the road together, and and dude, he he was in his late twenties, and he would get up on the road at eight a.m. and write from nine to five, like it was his job. And I I remember being blown away by that and too. going, Jeff Seinfeld was like that. A lot of people were. I was like, Jeff, don't you get burnt out? And he said something it took me years to understand. He goes, the more I write the easier it is to write. Yeah. And, I, and I think there's truth to that. So just forcing that, uh, exercising that muscle has has helped me. Now, I don't use it nearly as diligently as I would if me I too. had a gun to my head and a network saying they're going to give me a big fat paycheck if you don't write this by five. But it, you know, it's made it easier for me. Yeah. It is funny, the people who you know who are in those, like, yeah, we all have friends who are giant showrunners or something. And the truth is they wrote a show a week Right. 50, 60 times before the, the big one took off. Yeah. You just Everyone thinks, oh, they wandered in. They wrote Big Bang Theory. He'd, probably, he'd written hundreds. He'd been on yeah. staffs and staffs and written and written. The old, uh, you ever heard the old expression, uh, it takes 10 bad scripts to write one good one, mm-hmm. so you better get writing. You better get writing. You know yeah, what I mean? Funny. Get those 10 <laughs> bad ones out of the way, you know? Uh, are your kids funny? Yeah. I mean, they're definitely, you know, my, both of my funny. kids, both my kids really take improv. Funny. My four-year-old takes improv. In an improv class. Yeah. And like my 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 six year old, like I've gone to see him do improv shows, and like you know, my wife is like, he's the only one that's yes anding. You know what I mean? I'm, yeah, it's in it's in his blood, it's in his blood. you know, because my wife came out of improv. Do you remember when you first did improv, and it, we didn't know they were like, whose line is it anyway? None of the shows were on. We didn't know what improv was, and all of a sudden we fell into this weird thing, and it was like, this is the coolest magic trick of all time. Now everybody on earth knows improv. You know, it's funny is, uh, you know, Jill came out of Chicago, my wife came out of Chicago improv, and she still does a show called Deep Dish here in L.A. once uh, once a month, I think. And every once in a while I've gone down and done a show with those guys, and the irony to me is that all these guys out of Chicago that have done, you know, 10, 15, 20 years of improv will look at me and go, I don't know how you do stand-up, man. That is just me so too. scary. And I'm like, I write it all ahead yeah. of time. What are you talking about? You just walk on stage with nothing. And their response is, yeah, but I got other people on yeah. stage with me. You're and the audience alone. knows it's improvised. Right. Say you went out as a comic and didn't have any material, but you didn't tell the audience you were about to improvise an hour, and then just wandered through an hour, they would go, what the fuck just happened? You know uh, you know who Vic Henley is? Of course. Vic Henley uh, told me a story about the first time he did a, uh, he was doing, he was doing open micing down in Alabama, and somebody goes, the headliner didn't show up, uh, can you do his time? And he goes, I got five minutes of material, I can do as long as you want. <laughs> that's you know i mean it's like you know doing an hour is like you know you're not ready nobody's ever ready it's like having a baby you're never nobody's ready for a baby you just do it and figure it out you know you just say yes i'll do an hour and you're like i, I do remember the i first got time. 32 minutes of material i'll figure some shit out you know and you go all right i'm gonna open with this five i'm gonna close with this five right i don't know what's gonna happen in the middle right i don't know where the yeah. where we're going in the middle exactly yeah, yeah. please god let there that's be somebody funny. i can now talk when to. i watch improv like i used to do i loved improv 
it was like I lived for it. It was a dream. I was trying to incorporate all the games and make it seamless and magic. And now every time I watch an improv show, I'm like, I would cut that. I would cut that. There's the joke. The whole sketch is eight seconds long. And right. Go to the next sketch. It's over. Right. Like, I have trouble now. Even with my friends who are, like, the best improvisers on earth, I still am like, I got it, man. I remember. I see, uh, I see your bag of tricks. I, and they think, they say they're making it up, and he's, like, seamlessly goes into an impression I've seen him do a hundred times. You're like, yeah, they're finding That's not improv, their... and that's not stand-up. That's just a weird thing in the middle. But I have seen stuff. Like, I went and saw one of my wife's improv shows years ago, and I remember feeling like, it was like I was watching the Harlem Globetrotters. It was like I was watching guys throwing 90-foot alley-oops yep. and making it look easy. And uh, Ike Barinholtz and um, and Peter Gross were doing a scene. This is, I don't know if this is going to translate, but it was like <laughs> Peter Gross was renting a video in a video store, and he was this very sort of effete and you know uh, wimpy intellectual. And uh, Ike Barinholtz wanders in as a sort of drunk Boston sports fan. Boy, a stretch and, for Ike. Yeah, yeah. And he goes, uh, he looks at Peter, and he goes, uh, um, uh, you, you see, uh, see this tattoo, Kevin McHale. Best center in the history of Boston sports. And Peter Gross looks up at him and goes, Robert Parrish? Yeah. And, uh, and, 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 and Ike goes, God damn it. And he turns around and storms out of the scene, right? So five seconds later, Ike walks in. He pulls up another part of his shirt and he goes, see this, see this tattoo? Cam Neely, best hockey player in Boston. And Peter Gross turns around and goes, Bobby Orr! And it was, dude, it was like, I, the fact that, like, because they really did stumble into the the Kevin McHale, Robert Parrish joke, but the fact that Ike knew, came up with the second yeah. best player in another sport, right. walked back in, and threw that up to Gross, knowing that Gross would hammer it home, that's when I was like, that's, dude, that yes. is unreal. Yes. I would yeah. have gone with Ray Bork over Cam Neely. <laughs> yeah, but okay, I, but I'm okay fair. with it. I'll take yeah. Cam Neely, yeah. but I totally get that. That's funny. Um, uh, do you think your kids are going to get in the business? God, I hope not. Right? Uh, Me too. I, yeah, yeah I, I really Me too. Do. I hope not. And everyone's like, oh, you should put your kids in their gorgeous. You know, yeah. uh, maybe at Christmas dinner, yeah. you can <laughs> yeah. impress upon yeah. them the foolishness. Yeah, tonight we're going to go over your limitations. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm only six. I don't <laughs> care. Yeah, yeah. You're done in this your town. Your earning potential is shit. See, you see this art on the wall? Yeah. Yeah. You're never going to have yeah, it. Right. I inherited it's his it. art. It's like see a this piece. art on my wall? Yeah. I inherited it from my dad. He's <laughs> <laughs> uncooked macaroni <laughs> glued to a construction. <laughs> It's my hand is a turkey that yeah, I made yeah. in school today. That's yeah. really funny. <laughs> All right, let's. We only have a couple questions to wrap it up. All right. Um, the questions are: What are some traits that you hope that your kids get mm. from you and your wife? Um, I don't know if we are necessarily imparting these traits, but I read this when my uh, when when we were when we were like taking a parenting class when we first had kids, and it made some it made a huge impression on me. Uh, uh, it might, uh, a woman said, the, the most important things you can teach your child that are of critical success to literally anyone who is successful, uh, tolerating frustration, delayed gratification, and managing disappointment. Like, if you can utilize all three of those tools, you can be a success in literally anything but you can't necessarily succeed without some degree of mastery over those things and okay, it, what are know, the three again same uh, again managing frustration um 
I'm, I, I'm still working on that one. Delayed gratification. I'm good at that. Really good at that one. Um, and managing disappointment. That's, that's pretty much it. That's my job. Right. I manage disappointment. Right. Right. That's my dad's job. <laughs> is, oh my you know. God, dude. I mean, I probably the same as you. I mean, there's just been nights where I just I laid awake like, oh, my God, that went horribly south. <laughs> well, you know, the good thing about stand-up is you, you, you try to bring this into the, the rest of the industry. Is You get to a point of stand-up where you've done it enough that you realize, even though you had a shitty set, you're not a shitty comic. Like, you get to the point where you know you're funny because you've had enough success right. that you, you know, it becomes easier to shrug off a bad show might be frustrating, it might be disappointing, it might stay with you, but you don't think to yourself, oh my God, I'm terrible, the way you do when you're just starting out. Yes. And, and if you stick around in this business long enough, you you ideally want to get to a place where you can take some bad beats and know that it doesn't mean you don't have talent or that there isn't a place for you. I mean, you know, Talk Soup was the right gig for me. You know, th there are uh, there are people that I know uh, that could have been much better in that gig. I happen to be lucky enough to get it. There have been other jobs that I've had that I thought I would be right in, and they weren't the best fit for me. So right. you just got to wait for your pitch. You yeah. know what I mean? You really just got to wait for your pitch. Yeah, that's funny, man. I mean, the whole manage disappointment thing. The thing about comic, too, is like, I don't know about you, but anytime I have a bad set, which I haven't really had a bad one in a long time, but I remember like bombing atrociously where other people were like, they would bomb and go, that's it, I'm done. I would actually go out of my way to go, I got to get back on. Like even that night, I'd be like, right. I'd like drive around town yeah, and find another set. I got to yeah. get that taste out of my mouth because mm -hmm. that was horrible. And I think that was a trait that I would love to pass on the same way of like yeah, other resilience. people quit resilience. Maybe it's just hard-headed stupidness, but to go like, Fuck that! Yeah, I can fix. I can fix it. I can be better. Dude, yeah. I snapped on an audience recently for the first time in 25 years down in down in Atlanta at the Punchline. I literally snapped on an audience to the point where somebody tweeted me after the show and was like, "Loved your show tonight. You seem kind of pissed off at the end. You okay, bro?" <laughs> literally, that was the fucking tweet. What happened? Uh, Friday night You know, like I got a big. I've done that club. I got a big rant closer. You know, like a big speed read. You know, ninety seconds on yeah. two breaths, kind of build to sure. a big. And it, I mean, it is a fail-safe bit. And I, I just this was the crowd was not digging me, and you know you go through those variations. Well, they're of cashing like just, the check. They're figuring out who had all the Cape Cods that right, night. Yeah, you know, and and, uh, and I went through this whole rant, and I just all you want is to be able to get off on something semblance of a laugh, yeah. you know, and and uh, and I I mean it was like literally ta da, and these people. <laughs> Looked at me like a fucking oil painting, man. And I just, I literally went, I went, nothing? Are you fucking kidding me, man? I went through that whole goddamn speed read on two breaths and you give me nothing? Are you fucking serious? Like, and I, I mean, I lost it. I lost it, dude. Did the rest of the hour go well? No. I mean, it was it was like, you know, it was just one of those nights where it was a small crowd. Sure. And, you know, I think they were, you know, like I said, I got some teeth in my act. I can be a little gritty. I can be a little angry. And sometimes, for some reason, you just get a group of people that tense up at that. Like, they just, you know, I don't know if I was too dirty or too angry for them or whatever, but I could never get that, like where it's rolling yeah. downhill. I'd get a laugh, oh. and then I'd lose them, and then I'd get a laugh, and then I'd lose them. I couldn't get... Well, it's also an hour. Yeah. Like, people don't understand the concept of... It's you and a microphone, dude, for one hour. That's it. Right. Can't, like, there's always bursts. 
Anyone can do five. Anyone can do twenty minutes. Right. That's like the rocking chair. But to get up there for an hour and actually come across with something and maintain a show, a semblance of a show, is is the hardest thing on earth. And it's my fault because it wasn't my bits, my sets weren't. You know, my set is sort of one through line thought that comes to a conclusion, which is why that ending bit works. But it it like I could have and should have just started talking to the crowd. I should have just said, fuck it, material isn't working, there's 40 people here, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna wing it, I'm gonna improvise. It's never their fault. And and uh, and, the, and the truth is, they would have loved it, but I was like, nope, you people are coming to me, yeah. I am gonna, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I would Sometimes that it. is the way, though. Right. But every room's different, it's just a weird, yeah. it's a weird thing, but yeah, it's crazy. You well, okay, bro? Oh, are you okay, bro? No, dude, I'm I'm pretty far from okay. Yeah. I'm pretty fucked I up. Literally, I literally, if you look through my Twitter feed, I, I my response was, uh, my bad, man, that was my fault, I'm sorry. Did you have another show the next night, or was that the last night? Uh, that was the late show Saturday. So and had, the late show Saturday is normally just like a... It's a drunken... Especially when you're right. doing sort of edgy material. Right. Not, not, not for these not people. Not in Atlanta. But dude, uh, I had a great show on Sunday. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, what are some traits that you wish your kids don't get from you? Mm. Um, if I'm being honest, um, one of the reasons I'm a comic is I feel things very deeply. Like I, I, I suffer the slings and arrows of this life and I have struggled with that my whole life. You know, I mean, I had, uh, you know, um, I had a tough time growing up and, uh, and I was a, I was a sad and angry kid for a long time and that I was able to metabolize that, uh, into comedy. But, um, I hope my kids don't take life as personally as I took it for a long time. It took me a long time to realize that life wasn't happening to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. People were just living their life, you know? And uh, so that would, that would, you know. Um, that's that a good would, one. I feel, I feel the same way growing up. I, was, I think that's a lot of why we became comics in a way. Yeah. Because we found the humor in it all. My oldest daughter feels everything. Yeah, I mean, she her heart. Her, she cries. Her heart's on her sleeve all the time. The second one's cold as ice. Yeah. She'll just stare she's at serial you. killer. She'll stare you yeah. down. She's yeah. two years old. You're like Jesus Christ, loosen up. She's like, ah. right. So they're totally different, and I can see the empathy, and I have that too of like, oh, I feel yeah. things. I can't. Sometimes I well up and I cry, and I can't control it. Yeah, no, my my son will like. I, I've seen my son at two, three years old cry at the end of a Disney movie out of joy. Mm -hmm. You know, where he just feels it so deeply. My daughter is so, she's like a vessel. People, things pass through her. Like, you'd be like, I want that cookie. And you'd be like, you can't have it. And she'd be like, eh. Like, and just, it, like, it literally is just Kaiser Sose, and it's gone, you know? Into the night. But my son will get, if he gets frustrated, if he gets his feelings hurt, if he gets embarrassed, he holds on to that. And I, yeah. and I, I my, my heart breaks Me for too. him, dude. My, my heart daughter's breaks exactly the same. And she'll go in her room, and she'll be like, I got, yeah. I'm sorry, I got scared. She got scared. She didn't want to, like, we asked her to say something in front of somebody or say hi to somebody on the phone. Yeah. She's like, I didn't want to do it. She gets really nervous. Dude, I, you know, when my son was like four, we took him to a Christmas party, and there were some older kids there, like eight, nine, and they were all running around like feral dogs. And, uh, you know, they were in another room partying, and... and partying they were hanging out um <laughs> Doing math. but like we walked my wife walked into the room and the older boys it had gotten a little you know uh 
a little kind of Lord of the Fliesy, you know, <laughs> and and they were like lumping my kid, like yeah. they had they literally they had put a jacket over his head, and were like hammering him with giant couch cushions, like fucking knocking him around. And uh, my wife intervened, and he was like, I'm fine, I'm fine, you know, but we put a stop to it, and we left, and my son was off the whole, it was Christmas Eve, the whole night long, he was just quiet. And uh, that night, when I went to tuck him in, I go, are you okay? And he, he looked at me, his eyes started welling up with tears, and he goes, why were they so mean to me? And I realized, like, this is the first time in his life anyone has ever been mean to him. Like, he's never been victimized right. before. And he just didn't... What is it about me that made those kids be mean to me? And I... It was one of those moments where you're like, this is a real parenting moment, you know? And I pulled out, like, my dad voice, and I go, you listen to me, you know? And I, I got gr gravel on him, and it, you could, like, he, you know, you could tell, like, he sort of jumped, and his eyes got real big, and he was all focused, and I was like, you didn't do anything wrong. They did, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I just talked him through. I was like, you have nothing to feel bad about. Don't feel embarrassed. Don't feel ashamed. You know, I'm proud of the way you handled that, and you're a tough kid, and that goes on their record, not yours. And Santa saw that shit. And uh, and uh, I'm not kidding, dude. My, my, this is Christmas Eve. My son hugged me, like literally threw his arms around me, and in my ear he goes, you're the best daddy. And I was like, that's my Christmas, you know? Like, that was it, you know? But that's yeah. like, a, that's a moment where I could tell my son was, you know, internalizing it. What is it, what, you know, what is it about me that made them not like me? It's like, it almost they're just bad kids. To our like you must, I hear stuff from that from my daughter, and that brings me back to my child. I was bullied as a kid. Of course, you know, I was a yeah. redhead, kids two years old, and then beat the shit out of me. Right. And I didn't know, I was right. like, why are they dicks? What the right. fuck is wrong with those kids? Right. And now as a parent, I'm going to have to try to explain and go, they're, they're just dicks. Yeah. They're just dicks. That's the thing. Don't be like them. Two, three years old, kids are like dogs that can talk. Like, yeah. it doesn't even seem like you should be able to communicate with something that primal and yeah. small. But then when they get to be four, five, six, seven, eight, you start to see their personalities and you realize, like, some of these kids are dicks. Yeah. And they're always going to be dicks. You know what I mean? Kids are dicks, John. <laughs> that's, all I've, that's all I've come here to say. Dude. That's it. That's, it's a great ending story. Thank you so much for coming and being yeah, part of this little uh, my pleasure. experiment Thanks for that we do. Uh, my guest today, Mr. John Henson. People can find you because you tour all the time. Uh, I tour whenever I can get away from the family and not sleep in Where a hotel room. Where can they find room. your dates? Uh, I, you can find my dates at John underscore Henson at Twitter.com. Just Google John Henson. I'm yeah, sure it all comes and, up. Uh, my, uh, my fan page uh, on Facebook. And um, yeah. Where um, are you? You're heading out. The next few weeks, uh, I am going to be. Let's see, in uh, October, I am at Tampa at Side Splitters, and there, and uh, Bobby Jewel, and then in November, I will be uh, south at the Landmark in Denver at the Comedy. Oh, I can find you, and they can find you on the Food Network on the Yep uh, Halloween the Baking, Baking Championship. Championship. My guest today, John Henson, my friend Andy Lerner, helping me today. Thank you to everybody. Please uh, review, share, tell your friends, tell your parenting friends and um, we'll see you next time here on Father Time.